following is a continuation in our series looking at the effects of sin on areas of our lives and how Jesus seeks to speak into them. We hope you enjoy. So before we start tonight, we're going to do something. You're not going to like it, but I want you to take your phones out. Put them under the chair. Yes, under your chairs. All right, so we are talking about technology. This is very fitting. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump in. So if you haven't turned there already, we're going to be in Genesis 11, verses 1 to 9 to start with. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you that we all are here safely, and we ask that as we gather in this barn to open your word, that you would help us to think about technology and the way that we use it, Lord, and how we can use it in ways that are honoring to you instead of in ways that are dishonoring to you. So I just pray that you would please be with us and help us to learn tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to recommend a book to you guys. I should have brought it, and I didn't, but it's called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You by Tony Ranke. And it's not a anti-technology book, and this lesson is not going to be anti-technology. It's just going to be a more of a self-reflective thinking about the ways that we use technology. And that book is a great resource that you can read that will teach you about the ways that our phones kind of control us and shape us in ways that we don't even think about and ways that we can use them in more godly ways. But he says this in his introduction. I think this is pretty funny. He says, This blasted smartphone, pesk of productivity, tenfold plague of beeps and buzzing, soulless gadget with unquenchable power hunger, conjurer of digital tricks, surveillance bracelet, money pit, inescapable tether of work, dictator, distractor, and foe. Yet it is my untiring personal assistant, my irreplaceable travel companion, and my lightning-fast connection to friends and family, VR screen, gaming device, ballast for my life, my intelligent friend, my alert wingman, my ever-ready collaborator, this blessed smartphone. My smartphone is a window into the worthless and to the worthy, the artificial and the authentic. Some days I feel as if my phone is a digital vampire sucking away my time. Other days I feel like a cybernetic centaur, part human, part digital, as my phone and I blend seamlessly into a complex tandem of rhythms and routines. The reason I read that to you is because our phones can be things that are absolutely awful for us, but they're so helpful at the same time. I usually don't come here for Wednesday night, so coming from my house, I used a GPS to get here because I couldn't remember one particular turn. That being said, technology is good. It's helpful. It got me here tonight, right? And I probably could have figured it out, but it got me here. Technology is so good, but it has the power to distract us and it has the power to control us. And the power in the technology we have, it can have us be really horrible or helpful at the same time. And that's why we need to have a critical view of the way that we view technology and the way that we use it. Again, I'm not here to say that technology is bad because it's not. Technology is great, but it does have pitfalls. Just like everything we've looked at this semester, everything in our lives has some sort of pitfall that we need to be aware. We need to have a healthy relationship with technology. So if you are taking notes, here's our main point. Jesus desires that we have a healthy relationship with technology so it doesn't become an idol. Jesus desires that we have a healthy relationship with technology so it doesn't become an idol. So we're going to start with our first question that we always ask every week. How has the fall deformed something like technology for us? So we're going to look at technology as an idol. We're going to read Genesis 11. So, Elijah, if you'll stand up so that the microphone can pick you up. Just so you know, we have read this passage probably three or four times this semester. 
because the beginning of Genesis speaks into a lot of the issues that we've been addressing. So, this is the Tower of Babel, mankind using technology for something that they want to pursue, something that they desire. So, Genesis 11, 1 to 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same word. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. And let us go there to see uh, the Lord, so that they may understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, sin is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Okay, so as we've read so many times before, the Tower of Babel reveals a lot about the human heart, which is why I wanted to start here tonight. There's nothing wrong with the tower. There's nothing wrong with the materials that they're using. What's wrong with this situation? A heart issue, right? We tend to think of technology as something electronic, right? But technology, it could be as simple as the wheel. So they're using a form of technology, this building, this desire to build they had the same susceptibility to idolizing it, just like we have the same susceptibility to make it an idol. This technology was given to them as a gift. God had given them these materials. They had formed this mortar and this, these stones to be able to build this tower. What they're doing is they're making an idol out of something good, which is essentially how we create idols in our lives, too, right? Most of the things that we idolize aren't bad things. They're just things that become bad when they become idols, so some examples of things that we make idols out of that are good things, relationships, sports, grades, jobs. Again, these things aren't bad, but when they become an idol for us, that reveals a heart problem in us, just like these people who are building this tower. We find identity in the things that we idolize. We almost worship them in a sense, and that's when we need to be really mindful, especially when it comes to technology. We find ourselves so overtaken and obsessed that they can become major distractions. How many times have you been working on a paper or working on schoolwork, and then you grab your phone to check something, and then four hours later you realize that you didn't do any schoolwork? Why are we so obsessed with technology? I think it's because we want to be in the know on everything. We feel like we're missing out on things. We might think that we can't work productively without it. So like we think, oh, well, I have to have this technology in order to make sure I get all this work done. I find that I get the most work done when I keep my phone away from me. There's so much distraction, right? Again, I love my computer. I love my phone. But they are very distracting to me when I'm trying to actually be productive. Have y'all ever felt a phantom buzz? Y'all know what this is? This is actually super fascinating. A lot of people actually feel their phone buzzing in their pocket even when there's no phone in your pocket. It is bizarre. I felt it too. Okay. Why do you think that is? Physiologically, our bodies crave to know what's going on. You desire to have a response. And your body physically longs for that. So we feel those phantom buzzes, which again is a very odd and strange thing. Now, 
Did you know that the average person your age spends seven and a half hours in front of a screen every day? I completely understand that your schools often require you to work from a computer, and that's not your fault, okay? But I would also venture to say that if you average 7.5 hours of screen time a day, I guarantee that most of that is probably not spent doing schoolwork. Let's just be honest. Do you know what the recommended screen time for someone your age, for a brain your age is? Two hours a day. What? Two hours. Okay. Noel, yes. It's a great question, and it is one of my biggest pet peeves with schools, is the amount of homework and the amount of technology that is required. So I'm on y'all's side. I'm on y'all's side. It's not hard to understand why we spend so much time on our screens, okay? Because we use them for maps. We use them for research. We use them to communicate, okay? And these are all good things, checking emails, taking pictures. But the problem is, and Renke notes this in his book, he says that we are addicted to distraction. Okay. Going back to my question earlier about you pick up your phone while you're working on a paper or something, and you just scroll for hours, and you realize, I haven't gotten anything done. We're addicted to distraction. And it's actually... Quite crazy, the power that technology has, if you think about it. Did you know that the GPS in our phones has 30 times the processing power of the onboard navigational computer that sent the first shuttle to the moon? Your phone does. So we have great power in our pockets and at our fingertips when we're holding our phones. Yes, hey, you beat me to it. You beat me to it. Okay, it goes to show how convenient our phones are, but how much power they have over us because, as someone just quoted, the great Uncle Ben from Spider-Man says, with great power comes great responsibility. Turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 48. So with great power comes great responsibility. You know that Jesus said something very similar to this a long time ago. And we're going to be in the last half of that verse, starting with everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand much more. When we're given a great amount of control and power, we have to show a certain level of responsibility and restraint over it. This is why we don't give small children sharp objects, okay? I don't like watching my kids holding knives and scissors because it terrifies me because they don't have the same level of awareness as someone else, okay? Here's a couple examples of using wise discernment in how we use things. If you are house-sitting, it is wise most because you have responsibility for any damage or anything stolen from that house. Okay, that's wisdom and discernment. If you are a manager on shift restaurant, it's it's wise not to disappear and go run. Because whatever happens on that shift falls on who? On you. If your parents give you an extra layer of freedom, then it is wise to not abuse or break that trust that they are giving you. Okay, Jesus here is speaking of a manager who has been entrusted with much. He's been given a great responsibility, a great power to watch over his home and be ready for the master to return. And while this passage doesn't speak directly to technology, I think the principle behind it actually helps us understand here that with that great power comes great responsibility. When we're given something, a gift, such as technology, we do need to be mindful in the way that we use it, in the way that we cultivate it. He's trying to get us to understand with that power, we have to seek to have dominion over it rather than letting it control us. But think about this. What we give the most attention to is what we worship. What we give the most attention to is what 
we worship. And I know you're sitting here like, oh, I don't physically worship my TV or my phone or my computer. Okay? I don't mean you're sitting there bowing down, offering sacrifices to it. We worship things by giving all of our time, all of our efforts. Idols require time, sacrifices, devotion. Technology requires the same thing of us. The good news, y'all, the good news is that Jesus desires to draw us in to help us understand our distractions and see how we can have that responsibility over the things that he's given to us and shape technology for good. I want you to turn to the book of Haggai. Okay. It's towards the end of the Old Testament. It's one of the minor prophets. This is what it says. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not come yet to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. It is time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins. Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, it blew away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. I love this passage because it's showing how God gives us something good, and because of our sinful hearts, we can squander it. And God calls us to think about that. What's happening in this passage is God's house, his temple, is in ruins right now. And the people have been called back out of exile, and he has called them to rebuild the temple, and they have the finest of wood. Okay, They've got these planks that they can build the temple with, and did you catch what they're doing with all this wood, with the technology that God has given them? What are they doing? They're building houses for themselves while the temple is in ruins. Okay, So they're doing something incredibly selfish. They're using the gifts that God has given them for selfish purposes. Andrew Noble, in a podcast that I listened to this week, he says, there can be good uses of technology, but we use them for independent, personal, distracted uses, rather than using that God-created technology for the purposes of good, for the purposes of creating more good in the world and extending it to others. And I think what Jesus would love us to do when we look at technology, whether it's a phone, whether it's a car, computer, whatever, is to have a healthy, critical view of it so that it doesn't become an idol for us. I mean, think about this. God actually loves us to be creative and to create things, okay? So the fact that we've created things like phones is crazy when you think about it. But think about this. Jesus used technology himself. Jesus used boats, okay? But think about this. Do you know that Jesus used boats in creative ways that you probably don't even think about? Did he preach on the boat? Yes. Okay. He would often go out onto the water, and he would use the technology of the age, which was a boat, this wooden boat, and he knew that when you're on water and you're projecting your voice, it's going to project a lot further, okay? So what he did was he took technology and he creatively used it for the purposes of what? Preaching the word, to sharing the good news, okay? 
he can reach a broader audience with this technology by using it in this way. So I think what Jesus wants us to see is that technology can be a means that we use for good. You guys have platforms through your social media accounts. And, okay? I know all of you have millions of followers. Okay, We can use, just like Jesus did, we can take something like a phone or a computer or whatever it is and think about it in ways that, how can I honor my Lord and Savior in the way that I use this object, in the way that I use this thing? Because phones aren't bad. Our hearts are bad. And our hearts need to be reminded that these things can be dangerous if we're not careful. Have you all ever used the focus feature on your phones? Yes. If, if you have an iPhone? There are mechanisms on your phone that can help you not get so distracted. Now, again, we will get distracted by anything that we want. But there are things on your phone that can actually help you get less distracted. I have set my phone to not give me any notifications between certain hours. And I get a lot more done during those hours, because I don't even look at my phone, because I know it's not going to show me anything. Try this. Okay, and I know most of us use our phones for alarm clocks nowadays. And if you don't, then that's great. But here's a practical thing you can do to keep you from doing the, the glued to your phone at night, which causes less sleep, which causes more anxiety. Okay, Plug it in on the other side of the room and turn it upside down so you can't see it. Set limits on your entertainment. And I know this is not fun because I can binge Star Wars Clone Wars like nobody's business. Okay? I, but it is not good for me to realize at 3 o'clock in the morning that I have been watching 12 episodes of the Clone Wars. Okay, I have to set those limits, and I need to work on this as well. So I'm not here to make you feel bad. I struggle with this too. What we need to learn is how to sit still and be okay. I want to read a quote from a philosopher who lived 600 years ago. And I love this quote because somebody living today could have written this. He says this. This is by Blaise Pascal. He says, All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit in a quiet room alone. That is so unbelievably fitting for us because we don't know how to be still. I struggle with that sometimes. And he, 600 years ago, never experienced the pressures and the addictions of electronic tech, but he understood the need to be quiet. This is why Jesus would go and disappear and just spend time with his father. Because he needed that undistracted time. He needed that time to be away from everybody, to focus. And we need that too. So un-good, peaceful times of not being so distracted. Okay? This is why Jesus desires that we have a healthy relationship with technology, because we will make idols out of everything if we're not careful. So, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this time. We ask that you would help us to think about our technology, Lord. You have gifted us with so many good things, but we have a tendency to take those good things and make them into bad things. So I pray that you would please help all of us, Lord, myself included, to think about how we can be more productive with our time and to be more productive in the ways that we use the good things you give to us. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WYM.